This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is January 29th, 2021. You know, I thought about launching this podcast in 2020, but I thought it was too crazy and that 2021 would be more calm and we could really start talking about normal tech stuff. But if this month is any indication, 2021 is the evermore to 2020s folklore. This week, a lot happened in the world of tech. Um, The internet really democratizes a lot of things that used to be off limits to the masses. Information, stock trading, communication at large. These things used to be uh, controlled by a very small number of people and corporations and governments. And now it's all just for the taking. And, you know, the internet, again, has been around in a serious way for a quarter of a century, but I think we're just now really starting to see the bigger impact of internet life. Before we get into it, I have a simple request for you this and every week, which is to do one or more of the following. Subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. Okay, let's talk some tech news. A community on Reddit has driven stocks like GameStop, AMC, and Bed Bath & Beyond sky high. So there's no way you haven't already heard about this story, but in case you've been living under a rock, basically a community on Reddit called Wall Street Bets all decided to start buying up the stock GameStop, which is a retailer that sells video games. Um, And this stock has been performing really terribly. A quick reminder on how stock trading works, right? This is basic supply and demand. So if there's more demand than supply, there's a limited amount of shares. And if a lot of people all want them at the same time, it drives the price up. Whereas if there is more supply than demand, nobody wants to buy it, then that drives the price down. There are these hedge funds that basically bet against stocks. It's called shorting, where you are essentially making money if the stock price goes down. So this is the opposite of normal stock investing, where you buy at a certain price and you say, okay, I'm hoping the stock is going to go up in value, then I make a profit. With shorting, you make a profit if the stock price goes down. So if you think a company is going to do worse in the future than it's doing today, you would short it. So to kind of troll these hedge funds that were shorting GameStop, they all bought in at the same time, making the stock price pop up basically vertical. If you picture a graph, it's like flat, 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 boom, all the way. And actually lost these hedge funds, presumably billions of dollars, because the bet they made that the stock was going to go down did the exact opposite and went up. And they also did this with some other stocks beyond GameStop, like AMC, movie theaters, Bed Bath & Beyond, Tootsie Roll, so random. Elon Musk tweeted about it. By the way, earlier in the week, he also tweeted about Etsy, and then that stock popped. Uh, That's some bonus tech news for you. So lots of people all of a sudden getting in here, some of them making real money by buying in before it went all the way, all the way up. Other people inevitably will lose a lot of money and sort of screwing the traditional Wall Street investors along the way. Last night, 
TD Ameritrade was the first, but followed by all the other major brokerage and stock trading apps, actually stopped people from doing this. They prevented people from trading. Robinhood, the relatively new entrant to this arena of trading stocks online, the mobile first uh, stock trading app, their mission is to democratize finance for all. So this is kind of like the perfect moment for Robinhood. You have people rising up and manipulating the stock market however they see fit. But even Robinhood blocked people. And the reason they cited was ultimately that it's just so volatile and people really could lose a lot of money. And it's different if a big hedge fund or big institutional investor loses money, they know that that's part of the activity here. But if you're a regular person and you bet your life savings in this GameStop thing because you read online that it was going to make you money, and then you just lose your life savings and your family becomes homeless or whatever, that really is a horrible thing to happen. We shouldn't wish that for anyone. The question is who ultimately should be policing that or preventing it? You know, personal freedom would say, go for it. You're a grown up. You can do whatever you want. I think of it sort of like a bartender cutting you off at the end of the night. They're like, you know what? You've had a little too much. This is dangerous. But the criticism here is that actually they're not trying to protect the individual investor like you or me, but they're actually protecting the interests of these big hedge funds, which ultimately are really important to Robinhood's business model. But people are really freaking out because this goes against Robinhood's ethos or their mission. In my user experience class at Columbia Business School, we talk about UX differentiation being not only in the product, because ultimately you can buy and sell stocks in a variety of apps, but you can really differentiate yourself based on the mission. And Robinhood really stands for something different than these other banks and institutions, or it's supposed to anyway. So you have AOC tweeting that there should be an investigation into Robinhood. Then Ted Cruz retweets AOC and says, fully agree, which then of course AOC retweeted and said, quote, I am happy to work with Republicans on this issue where there's common ground, but you almost had me murdered three weeks ago. So you can sit this one out, end quote. Isn't Twitter so crazy? Anyway, what is going on here? Why are people so upset? Are we protecting amateur investors from financial doom or are we protecting the interests of big finance? Are we doing both? Something is brewing here. I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on this at the end of the episode. Twitter has acquired a newsletter platform startup called Review. This is being seen as a direct threat to another newsletter startup called Substack, which has become increasingly popular with independent journalists and writers. Substack is kind of like if Medium and MailChimp had a baby. But basically, it's a way to publish newsletters and essentially what is a blog that is delivered as a newsletter. And you can also charge for that newsletter through a paid subscription. Many of the people that are launching these newsletters are what you might call an influencer or thought leader on Twitter, people with large Twitter followings. Now, Twitter, of course, is a free tool, but those people are basically saying, listen, if you like what I have to say on here, you really should subscribe to my newsletter. And those newsletters actually can turn into quite profitable businesses because especially if you are the one writing it and producing it, uh, you can sell an infinite amount of newsletters, theoretically, and it's all profit to you. I don't know anything about Review. I'd never heard of them before they got acquired. It looks like they've only raised a small amount of money and are a very small team. 
This is probably what we refer to as an acquihire, where part of the reason that they have been acquired by Twitter is to acquire the team, a team of people that have been thinking deeply about how to build a product like this and how to build a customer base for a product like this for a while now. You can imagine an integration right into Twitter where you're following someone and it says, hey, do you like Paul Canetti? You should subscribe to Paul Canetti's newsletter. It also introduces another revenue line for Twitter because if they can take a percentage, Substack, for instance, takes 10% of each transaction, so each subscription. So keep your eyes out, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the newsletters that you end up subscribing to in the next year or two at the bottom say, powered by Twitter. Audio social app Clubhouse raised $100 million at a reported $1 billion valuation. If you are not familiar with it, Clubhouse has been gaining steam over the last few months, especially during the height of the pandemic, as a new social app centering around audio. It basically works almost like live stream podcasting. You can go into these rooms where people are talking and you can listen in on whatever they're talking about. Could be one person or a panel of people kind of listening in on the conversation. You can also start a private room with friends or family. Other people call this a phone call. But the more interesting use case is this sort of public directory where celebrities or, you know, social influencers, especially the Twitter techie crowd, can be found talking about various topics. In theory, anybody can chime in, like you can unmute and join the conversation. But in my experience, you know, if you're in a room with 500 or 2000 people, you're really just listening. You're not talking. The way venture capital works is you make these really big bets, knowing that many of them, most of them will really not turn out to be anything. But the ones that succeed pay for all of those losses and more. And so what they're really betting on here is that this could be the next big social network. And it's been a while since we had a new social network that there was such excitement about. Within the tech and VC community, Clubhouse really is the hottest thing. It hasn't really made its way outside of that small circle of the techarati, as I call them. But with this new funding, I think you'll see that circle start to expand. And if it succeeds, it'll sort of get to the normal people. But right now, my guess is that most people you know haven't heard of it. Maybe you haven't heard of it. But I would keep your ears and eyes out. I guess in this case, just your ears since it's an audio app. Because if there is going to be a new breakout social app, it is likely to be Clubhouse. After the break, we'll talk about quarterly earnings from some of our favorite tech companies. Apple, Facebook, Tesla, and Microsoft. We'll get into all that after this 15-second message from our sponsor, Bounce House. Bounce House helps you sell one-on-one sessions and group classes online, built for one-person businesses like personal trainers, yoga instructors, and nutritionists. Bounce House is giving away a 1,000 free licenses to those affected by the pandemic. Go to bounce.house to learn more. That's bounce.house. Bounce House, sell your service online. And we're back. Many major tech companies had their quarterly earnings reports this week, such as Apple, Facebook, Tesla, and Microsoft. These four companies are four of the six most valuable companies in the world. Just using today's data, Apple is now worth $2.36 trillion. Microsoft, $1.83 trillion. 
Tesla, $797 billion, and Facebook, $777 billion. So Facebook and Tesla coming up on the $1 trillion mark, Microsoft coming up on the $2 trillion, and Apple approaching $2.5 trillion in value. Apple is and has been for some time the most valuable company in the world. Just let that settle into your brain. Earnings reports for public companies are always interesting because we get to see how they're performing. I'm just going to go through some top level numbers here. Apple had revenue that is sales of over $100 billion for the first time in a single quarter. Now, this was over the holidays. This is usually their biggest quarter. Of course, iPhone continues to be their biggest seller. iPhone sales alone were up $10 billion year over year. But the segments that are fastest growing at Apple are actually their services like Apple TV+, Apple Music, iCloud, etc., their new Apple Fitness+, Plus, Apple One. You know, if iPhone is about half of all their sales, these services are now about 15% of their sales, but growing really quickly. Another category that's growing really fast is wearables and accessories. So this is like Apple Watch, AirPods. Microsoft had a great quarter, $43 billion in revenue with $15.5 billion in profit. Most notably, their Azure cloud service grew 50%. That is some serious growth. Uh, Microsoft Azure competes with Google Cloud and Amazon Web Services for internet infrastructure that other websites and apps are built on top of. And while Amazon Web Services, AWS, is the leader in the space, Microsoft Azure is certainly catching up. Our friend Elon Musk and his company Tesla reported revenues of $10.74 billion. Those were up 46% year over year. And they had their first profitable year ever. This was the end of their fiscal year 2020. Again, Tesla was founded in 2003, so in almost 20 years, they've never had a profit. This year, they profited $721 million on a total of $31.5 billion in revenue versus a loss of about $800 million last year. So last year, they were like down a billion. This year, they're up a billion. You have to remember that companies choose to be profitable or not when they're around break even like that, but this is the first year that they've chosen to be profitable as opposed to reinvesting every single penny into expenses to drive future growth as they've been doing. And lastly, Facebook revenue $28 billion with a profit of $11.2 billion. Other notable numbers from Facebook's earnings, their monthly active users. So these are unique users using at least one Facebook product. So this is Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, Messenger, Oculus, at least once a month is 3.3 billion people. That's almost half the world's population, including babies. And their daily active users were 2.6 billion users. A common metric when thinking about apps like social services is daily active users, or DAO is the acronym, over MAO. So daily over monthly, basically what percentage of your monthly users are using your service every day? For Facebook, across their family of services, that number is 79%. So they have almost half the world's population using it every month, and 80% or so of those people are using it every day. It's really, truly insane. 
Notably, on the earnings call, Mark Zuckerberg said, quote, we increasingly see Apple as one of our biggest competitors. iMessage is a key linchpin of their ecosystem, end quote. You might not think of Facebook and Apple as being competitors, but a lot of Facebook services do compete directly with iMessage. WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, Instagram direct messages, and you see Apple really positioning themselves as the leader in privacy. Okay, so it is interesting thinking about these stocks, you know, these earnings reports, and the first story that we talked about, uh, which is people buying and selling stocks. And ultimately, these companies that are worth trillions of dollars and they are just creating such immense wealth for their shareholders at the exact same time that hundreds of thousands of people are dying, millions are unemployed and suffering immense poverty and food insecurity, and then there are opportunities for normal people to sort of get in on the action, and then those same tech companies are basically shutting them out of being able to do that. If this all feels kind of familiar This to me is the story of 2021. It's already shaping up to be. You have a mob, you have platforms cutting them off or moderating what they can say or do. So this time it's not violence against the government, uh, but it certainly is a mob threat against the status quo. And to me, these sorts of events feel connected, even if the people and the justification, the rationale, what they're doing and the ethics or morality of that totally different. I'm not equating the two events at all. But the mentality is kind of connected, right? Where you have people coordinating their efforts on the internet to take down some sort of establishment that believes that they are the only ones that should be able to control whatever it is we're talking about. In this case, you know, the prices of stocks. And so our society is increasingly being set up to benefit a small few. But the rest of the population is waking up to that fact. And the internet brings amazing democratization. To close out, I have a simple request for you this and every week, which is to do one or more of the following. Subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. I'll see you next week for more tech news for MBAs.